Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at olivenjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is a Force Center podcast feed, and this is Force Center, the big show, the main show, the super stutter story of our fleet. I'm Ken Napsok. That's Joseph Scrimshaw. Yeah. And that's Jennifer Landa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And here's the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are uh, crashing into your Star Wars week with our Star Wars week. It's going to be a fun deal. Look, let's just, we always like catching up Life Adventures. We will uh, here in a second. We, we've all just, uh, life's been busy, and that's not a bad thing. It's not always a good thing, but <laughs> we're here. 
home again, Joseph. Yes. Talk Star Wars. Yes, happy to be home in your home, Ken. In my in my home, in my home, and, and Jennifer's here as well. Uh, yes. b- before you, let, let's get the business out of the way. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And we got our Force Center recommends coming on a little bit later in the show. And if you want to support us directly, this is a great way to do it. So, all right. Yeah, um, came skidding into the uh, the the landing zone here today. Yeah, <laughs> I finished finished resistance two minutes before you got here. Nice, Joseph. Oh. it's a good episode. It was a really good episode. Yeah, the, the disappeared. Yeah, people disappeared. Oh, <laughs> I watched yes. it late at night. Uh, yeah. with uh, with some whiskey and some frozen pizza. I mean that's that's on brand. If I've ever <laughs> heard the term on brand. <laughs> Uh, good stuff, and that's uh, that's like the only Star Wars adventure I had this week. Oh, really? Yeah, that's it. That's okay. it. That's wow. it. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> uh, the rest of it disappeared. Yeah, uh, I had a lot of adventures. I had too many adventures this week. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot going on. Two shows. Friends in town. Uh, got sick in the middle of the week. Uh, mom's birthday. Uh, in laws in town. Yeah. The pitch meeting. Yeah. Is, wow. Uh, yeah, I can't remember all the things happened to me. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, I'm going to try to be awake yes. and fun grumpy like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a good way to look Instead at it. cranky grumpy. Cranky yeah. grumpy. And, and, uh, someone, grumpy. Was, someone said bad things to me about Star Wars, and it was not in a context in which I could say things back. So I'm, I'm carrying all that with me. It, it's so weird how that can affect us as uh, we try to be positive Star Wars fans and are positive Star Wars fans, which doesn't mean we don't see uh, little places to have fun conversations about uh, things that are not as good or different or anything or taken different. We get that. Yeah. But when you have to swallow that emotional grenade. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> like with tough. Star Wars counseling, like, and there's been plenty of times I've talked about where like I've been at like Hollywood meetings and people have mm-hmm. been, do you like Star Wars? And I'm like, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And then I will listen and I will ask questions. I don't mind hearing bad opinions. Yeah. It's just when somebody drives by and goes like, by the way, all of the new movies are terrible. Anyway, in the, you're in a context <laughs> where you can't, you can't engage in any way. You can't, say, you can't even say, well, I personally disagree and think they're very valuable and mean a lot to a lot of people. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was at an Oscar, a little pre-Oscar event. And I find myself at every year uh, with Grace. And I just, I'm just in the corner, you know, not knowing anybody and having fun observing. And then two people, I knew one from uh, uh, the Shmodown, Meredith Irwin, her husband, Ethan Irwin, was the Shmodown champion. And he's a producer for Silver Picture. She comes over. Hey, and it's like, oh, a familiar face. And so yeah. we started talking about Star Wars. And she had a friend I hadn't met, a, a female uh, a friend of hers, a, f- a director, I should say. And uh, they both, uh, Star Wars came up and there was a pause and they both looked at me and they went, <laughs> well, are you going to be nice about Last Jedi? And I went, well, yeah, it's like my second favorite Star Wars film. They both went, oh, okay, cool. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> we have this, it's like a knock on a door at a bar in the back. <laughs> so uh, that was part of my, but hey, you're here. You're in the hut. Yeah, fun, I'm alive. Fun Obi-Wan grumpy. Ready to be fun grumpy. <laughs> Jennifer, are you grumpy? I No, actually, I feel great. I got to watch the Academy Awards last ah, night. Yeah. Uh, first time in three years. That was exciting. I did have a mini Star Wars adventure, only by happenstance. We were mm. at Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica, and there's yeah. this place called Puzzle Zoo. Ooh, and I've always uh-huh. loved, they have always have a great uh, Star Wars collection, a lot of vintage action figures and things like that. <clears throat> Their mm. selection has dwindled. That's good. People are buying. Yeah, but it it was still there. I was very excited after all these years. And my daughter was like looking at something. I'm like, oh, oh, wait. Oh, mama's going to look at this. Yeah. 
and people I'm sure thought I was nuts because I'm ooing and eyeing. I saw you know, Mon Mothma action figure, Ooh. Captain Tarples, like a big, oh, yeah, a yeah. big, uh, I don't know what it uh, action figure. Not really. It's like huge. A 12 inch? A 12 inch type of Maybe. inch Tarples? Yeah. yeah. I don't, wow. wow. Uh, In Phantom Menace packaging? Uh, I think so. Mm. I took a video of it. And okay. then uh, what else? Shadows of the Empire oh, figures. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah so, wow. And That's then old school. I started yeah. to lose my daughter. I was like, where is she? Where, where is she? she go? Where is she? <laughs> Josh, my husband. Yeah. So, yeah. He's like, what were you doing over there? I'm like, I'm just, looking I don't at, know, looking. Look at Star Wars toys. Looking. Did you buy anything? No, because I didn't have enough time to really like, mm. okay, what do I need in my collection? Right. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. totally understand. Yeah. That's a tough thing. Is uh, you, you know, what 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 do you really need to add? Right. I was at uh, you know my favorite toy store, Andrew, since Target the other day. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and and I had that Yeager resistance oh. figure in my hand, and I was like, I just I just got no room right now. <laughs> yeah. I did it. I did it. You did uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Because when I mentioned that there is a uh, two pack with bucket, my mm-hmm. wife was like, Ooh, bucket. Ooh. So yeah. I was like, All right, this isn't for me. It's for my wife. Yeah. There you yeah. go. That's perfect. There That's you go. perfect. Uh, yeah, and as far as resistance, resistance, I really did love it. The show's uh, you know we're coming down to what is the last couple episodes here, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this, this this connection, the, the reference to Taco Donna. Yeah, that was mm. great. Yeah. yeah, and it was really cool. Uh, as one of the fans tweeted us, we've been so anxious to use some of these fun side characters, uh, background right. characters in Resistance in Databank Brawl. It was fun to see some of them actually fight. The like Aunt Z fought and then uh, <laughs> Greville, this little Alenia, yeah, uh, Alenian uh, alien who's mostly been background. Yeah, was really, we got to hear the voice and lots of attitude. So fun. It, it, it actually Aunt Z, uh, Aunt Z, uh, I think this is how she prefers it. Uh, I mean, it was like a databank move, like a jump and a oh. squish of stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, she slammed them. That was wow. WWE, right? Ken? It absolutely was. Absolutely was. I could get behind her as a champion. So Star Wars Resistance rolls on, and uh, as the season wraps up, we'll, we'll spend more and more time with it and, uh, uh, and looking back at the first season of Resistance. But let's dive into some news. We got some uh, tasty tidbits, like Whew. a snack shop at Galaxy's Edge. Mm-hmm. Sounds delicious. Well, this year is the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace, and to celebrate this momentous occasion, there will be a 20th anniversary panel on Monday April 15th at Star Wars Celebration. Now, they haven't announced who the special guests will be, so could we see Hayden Christensen, George Lucas, Samuel Jackson, Natalie Portman? Eh, We'll have to wait and find out. A lot of people online were upset that this panel is on Monday, the day that a lot of people are leaving. I did see that it, this is all Monday's the only day that still has tickets available. Yeah. So mm, I don't know about that. But why do you guys think that this was scheduled on this day? And who do you think might appear? Mm, well, I, I don't know about the yeah. Monday stuff, but I, I do think that is a bummer. Yeah. Um, right? I, what, what, what I react to in that is that they really want this to be about looking ahead and have mm. all the stuff that they want to celebrate coming in 2019, especially we got that whole Triple Force Friday news mm-hmm. confirming that they're committed to that Jedi Fallen Order video game coming out, that The Mandalorian is coming out. So I think it just means they really want to front load the future mm. and Monday back burner the past. Front load which the is, future. Uh, uh, <laughs> A bummer to me because it does feel like let's let's lean into celebrating this. As as of right now, I don't know if I will be there Monday. I, I think there is yeah. like point zero zero one percent chance I'll still be there. On yeah, because mm. I mean we always with the five day convention. And I, I I still think I haven't heard the reason. I don't know at all, but 
scheduling with the venue, something, the scheduling reason... Scheduling with a big guest, yeah, maybe yeah. it is, that they're trying to get the um, significant portion of the cast together. Yeah, mm. yeah, could be, and, and, and why this thing didn't start on Wednesday, uh, I don't know, I don't know, but uh, it is a little bit of a bummer, but hey, the fact that they're doing it, and maybe we can all watch it, have a mini couch con, Yeah, and who will show up will be... I mean, I hope I hope Ahmed Best gets the standing ovation he yes. deserves. Yeah, yes. I hope it's Ahmed Best and Rick McCallum alone together. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, this could be cool. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't think I, I said I don't think Jake Lloyd. I don't. No. I hope. I wish. I, I mean, eh, yeah. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, Hayden would be great. I mean, since he's already made an mm-hmm. appearance, uh, Natalie Portman would obviously be amazing mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because of her stature. Right. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. She's. I feel like she's. I would be on the fence about whether or not she would actually come. Yeah. Recently, yeah. but man, she's been coming around to talking about Star Wars a little bit more often. I've, I've been noticing. Yeah. So. I feel like, and I feel like yeah. if she, like Ewan, had that great quote a little while ago, uh, where he was talking about hearing from more fans who grew up with it. So if mm. she is starting to hear, you know, it's more in her rearview mirror, and mm. she's starting to hear more from young women of like, no, she's my hero. She meant a lot to me. I grew up with her. Maybe that will. Make mm-hmm. her more excited about talking about it. That's a good point. Yeah, that'd be true. Yeah. Uh, it might just be uh, you and McGregor on stage. <laughs> no, I'm not doing. No, it. I'm not doing a series. Movie. I am Maybe doing. There, there's a rumors. Uh, <laughs> you and McGregor. Oh my gosh! Well, some uh, special guests that we do know who will be appearing at Star Wars Celebration Chicago are. Oh, these are these were new announcements. In case you guys mm-hmm. <laughs> just keep on coming. Uh, there is the OG Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams, Alan Tudyk, who. Uh, who played, why did I cut this off? Sorry. Alan Tudyk, who played K2SO, obviously. Uh, Taylor Gray, and also Freddie Prince Jr., who will reunite as Kanan and Ezra together in the Topps autograph area. Uh, oh, I, you know, there's one person that I did not mention, but I thought of you, Ken. Mm. Are you going to try and sneak a peek at Julian Glover, mm-hmm. who is also making an appearance? For those of you who don't know, Glover played General Veers in The Empire Strikes Back and Master Picel in Game of Thrones. And Walter Donovan and Lasker say that's, oh, tri- yeah. that's a trifecta of nerd right there. <laughs> right. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I will... If they're on the floor, I, I don't ever, I, I haven't uh, ever waited or paid for an autograph or anything. I, I usually am doing something, but I will always do the sneak by. Yeah. Just so I can see Julian Glover fiercely signing yeah. eight by tens. I got to see him at Gallifrey 1, uh, the Doctor Who convention, because he's Doctor Who is also in his amazing, right. amazing Ooh. quiver of science fiction <laughs> genre appearances. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's a wow. He's been a, he's been across it all. Yeah, he's yeah. Get him done in a Star it all. Track. He's seen it all. <laughs> he's seen yeah. it all. Yeah, but more guests. I'm sure we'll get more guests this week. That'll be announced. Yeah. It's just uh, just star studded, I should say. And I, I love the abilities. Got the you know front and center. We'll see mm-hmm. if he gets a little more time than he had in the 40th, and I imagine he will. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I bet he'll have a one on one. A one on one would be great. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, <laughs> Alan Horn, the chairman of Walt Disney Studios, gave a fascinating interview with a Hollywood reporter last week. In the piece, he shared that it was Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm who approached Disney with the idea for the Mandalorian series for the upcoming Disney Plus platform. Horn said that he also visited the Episode 9 set and that the film is going to be terrific. (laughs) But any movie after 9 is still in discussion. Lastly, he talked about managing expectations when Disney has such a packed slate of tentpole films like Lion King, Frozen 2, and of course, Episode 9. And he said that when you make big movies like Disney does, they get a lot of attention, whether it's positive or negative, quote. So when they don't work, like Solo, the media says it's a failure. I think it was a pretty good movie. 
didn't resonate as much as we'd hoped it would, but the press writes it up in a more negative way than I would. End quote. Okay. I thought that that was an interesting choice of words. Mm. Would you guys say that Solo didn't work? I think he's talking financially. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too, because I'm like, I loved it. I know a lot of people who enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. fascinating to read an interview with a high-powered person like this who mm-hmm. is doing the business stuff but then is spending most of his time, as he says in the interview, giving creative notes yes. in his speech and what he is saying wanders indiscriminately back and forth between what is clearly a business perspective to a creative perspective. Right. Like, I feel like that phrasing of... Uh, I didn't bring them the Mandalorian. They brought me the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, he's talking about like, well, maybe I would have written up three ideas. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what if Jar Jar Binks? Like, what in, yeah. here, take that. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of a creative thing. But then Solo, I feel like he's saying financial. Right. Yeah, that's good clarification. It's it's pretty uh, honest from him. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I'm on the set of episode nine. And it's going to be terrific. Is you know, what else is he going to say? But for him to acknowledge in some way that, yeah, it wasn't as bad as people said. And I don't know. I don't hear that kind of stuff often from the big wigs. Maybe I don't know, but I don't hear a lot from Alan Horn. Um, right. uh, and, and, uh, the, 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 how, how, how the Mandalorian came to be is, is, is not too important to me other than that it's happening, but maybe how the process works. And, and if it's not Iger wagging a finger of give me this, give me that. And they actually have ideas. That's encouraging to me as a star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Lucasfilm's like, cool. A, a new platform to play with. Yeah. yeah, and it certainly seems that way with the mm-hmm. way they're developing things yeah. with Cassie and Andor clearly coming from pitches. Yeah, right, right. and and Alan Horn even acknowledged that. He's like, people are now wearing uh, an extra hat, so to speak, where it's like Pixar is asking, okay, what what can we add to the Disney Plus streaming service? So everyone's kind of like, ooh, we get we got to add more content. Here's mm-hmm. an idea. Hey, I have an idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that was fascinating. Uh, that's a wrap on Star mm-hmm. Wars Episode Nine. Title to be D. J.J. Abrams, who rarely tweets anything, shared on Twitter a touching photo of Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac all hugging each other on set with the caption, quote, It feels impossible, but today, rap photography on episode nine, there is no adequate way to thank this truly magical crew and cast. I am forever indebted to you all, end quote. That photo really hit home for me that this mm. might be the last time that we see these three on screen together. Mm-hmm. How did this photo make you guys feel when you saw it? it, it uh, warm fuzzies, but also <laughs> just that, wow, time's passed and yeah. we're back. Uh, this is the kind of the big three. I, I think Kylo's, oddly enough, in there uh, as, as, a, as a big three and a half, I guess we could, uh, can we say the top four? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and just the joy and, and, and the, this long process that began really in 2012, even wow. before, I'm sure with some designs, but a good marker of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Warm fuzzies. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about it a little bit last week, kind of digging into some of the like, ooh, the hints, uh, or if there are no hints. Um, but just emotionally, I feel like, I don't know. It's a, it, to me, it's a very bittersweet goodbye for now mm-hmm. because I don't care how many uh, articles, mm-hmm. interviews we, we will read in the next two or three years. We all know from, you know, history, they could all reunite. Yeah. Ten years from now, the, one of the most popular Star Wars franchises ever could be the Finn Solo series that comes out <laughs> 20 years from now of old wow. Finn. Like, we just don't know. Time yeah. is always moving forward. So I just really choose to look at it as like, it, this is a really amazing and beautiful closing of this chapter of those characters' lives, those actors' lives, and our journey with them. Right. You know? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you make a good point because all those actors are relatively young. And so 10 years from now, they're still going to be in their 30s. I think Oscar Isaac might be, you know, 40s. But why not? They could star in their own trilogy or, or whatnot. That is a great point. Yeah, someday when we are selling toilets based on their streaming <laughs> services, <laughs> you might want to buy the Poe Tamron exclusive. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, that, that rumor, that Finn series, right, right, right? Yeah. It's, it'll happen sooner or later. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 There's already rumors. And, already yeah, and, rumors. and oh I think gosh. that we're going to hear a lot of, of yeah. not negativity, but a lot of, like, I'm done mm-hmm. from them because I think they're going to be peppered with these questions. But, yeah. you know, always in motion is is the future. It is. Yeah, exactly. Just ask Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, our friend Ash Crossan spoke with J.J. Abrams on the red carpet recently. <laughs> and while he didn't divulge too much, she got some good tidbits out of him. He talked about working with Billy Dee Williams, and he said that uh, he has an unbelievable respect for him and that Billy Dee had this aura around him on set. Ash also asked if the reception of The Last Jedi affected how he approached directing episode nine. And he said, quote, no, because every movie is its own movie, end quote. Uh, They brought all the, oh, sorry, no, that was not the end of the quote. Well, yeah, whatever. They brought all the passion (laughs) and hard work that they would have no matter what the reception was from the previous film. And while Ash couldn't get the title out of J.J., she did ask him to give us one word of how we are going to feel after seeing episode nine. He said, quote, you have to determine that yourself. I really can't wait for you to see it. There are a lot of words that we hope you will feel. Obviously, the biggest and most important one, I think, is satisfied, end quote. There's a lot. I thought he, I thought he mm-hmm. actually shared a lot, considering mm-hmm. he didn't say much, <laughs> yeah. but kudos to Ash for asking those tough questions. Yeah, it it's a really fun interview to watch. It's not an interview. Yeah. It's it's a battle. It's a battle, <laughs> yeah. And he and he's enjoying uh, it, too. You know, he's like, ah, He knows what he, he knows. Is. Yeah, yeah exactly. he knows what's happening. But, but yeah, yeah but everything was she asked about the, the reaction to the last one, he, and all of a sudden, then he couldn't hear her. Right. Yeah, he's like, like, huh? What? Huh? What? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, as you pointed out, Joseph, uh, you know, he he doesn't follow anyone on social media. No, he did. He has no. zero. <laughs> he's following zero people on Twitter, which is, I think, <laughs> kind of wise in some ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I thought satisfied was a great word. I think the way that J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy talked about uh, they wanted to delight with Force Awakens. Mm. Mm-hmm. That satisfied, I feel like, is not. I feel like from J.J. Abrams' perspective, that's not about, like, make sure no fans are mad. Mm. Right. But just, like, like you had a full meal. Mm. So mm. kind of satisfied, which makes me really excited. Right. I like that a lot. That's good. Yeah, we, we get some Star Wars broccoli on there, as well as some Star Wars mas- mashed potatoes. We can we can <laughs> get all the good stuff and the healthy stuff and the fun stuff, too. Yeah. So satisfied. That's what I'm hoping for. We're pull, I'm pulling for this movie. Yeah, me too. Pulling for this movie. Yeah. I think we all are. Well, that's, that's the news this week. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. And there'll be more. Yeah, and a lot of panel announcements. They've been stretching them out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Figure it out. And this week, a gunk droid. So uh, thank you, Jenna, for the, for the news. We're going to dive into our main topic shortly, which is the Oscars of Star Wars. We're post-Oscar week here uh, around town, which means we're still talking about all the awards and the glory. We're going to do that here in Star Wars. But first, we want to recommend an audio book we think you should try on us. Joseph, what do we got? I am recommending Most Wanted by Ray Carson uh, because it is a great solo tie-in novel and I Mm. like Solo. We all like Solo in this novel makes it even better. So go give it a listen. Absolutely. I get, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. Try out Most Wanted by Ray Carson. What I was going to say before I finished the ad read there was uh, this weekend someone said something to me about solo that made me grumpy immediately and i just got i got almost too mean (laughs) not to that i just was like i don't know how to have this conversation yeah i'm tired his name how we got his name is perfectly fine all right move on uh we're all in a all in a fun star wars space but hey you know what's fun awards and uh, winning awards and getting nominated for awards and you know sometimes just being there and uh, on the red carpet it's fun but we're gonna do this for star wars it's oscar week like i said and we decided it'd be fun to hand out some of our own star wars oscars we have come up with seven categories of uh, star wars related things uh, characters supporting character best song best directed sequence 
best comedy drama moment, best costume, and an own surprise category that we're going to lay down here. And we're going to dive on in, discuss our topics. And what's interesting is we we don't know. We're surprising each other. So we're going to crack open that envelope on stage and be surprised just like you. So I don't have any Oscar theme music. But, uh, <laughs> was that the Johnny Carson Night Show I think thing? it was. <laughs> that seems about right. It was. That's about right. Yeah. It was. Good old Doc playing that one there. Wow. Uh, so we're going to dive on in. And, uh, you know, it's it's weird. We, we could also start at the point of Star Wars and the Oscars. Now, Solo was nominated for visual effects. Yep. Uh, didn't win. I, I don't think I was expecting to win, though. It's fantastic. Um, it, Star Wars and Oscars, it's always been an interesting relationship, right, Joseph? Yeah, yeah. It did well that very first year. Yeah. And then it's been rocky ever since, right? Lots mm-hmm. of, uh, I believe, like effects awards over the years. Sure. And some music ones for John Williams, right? Yeah. But, uh, but never any sort of deep, deep love. Which... It's not surprising, Jennifer. You watch the Oscars, you get all excited for them. You said you're watching them last night. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't like the, the <laughs> they don't like the the Star Warses of the world. They don't like. Uh, I don't want to say popular films because that's not yeah. true. But it is more of an action adventure film, and traditionally the Academy yeah. does not like that. Although now the Academy is being diversified, so that's great. Get some young blood in there as well, because um, the mm. Academy is traditionally. Uh, older crowd yeah. yeah so they don't they don't find star wars to be that in fact i read some uh, um a uh, little snippet from a uh, academy vo- voter mm-hmm. anonymous academy voter who kind of slammed solo mm-hmm. and i just was like yep not surprised not surprised well I, I go to you know return of the king winning was not not consolation but it was kind of like all right peter you did this for three Films. It was. It was. It's interesting to read that story and 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 the the campaigns for the Oscar. So hey, I don't know. Black Panther brought more than just a superhero movie. It brought something bigger than that, and that's the first one where you look up and go, all right, something that uh, something from the genres are are, are seeping through. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. I and I think uh, not surprisingly, Star Wars is uh, worthy of many Oscars. Yes, uh, important ideas in Star Wars and told through great script writing i think absolutely so i think we're gonna dive in with our awards here uh we'll go down one one to seven i think we'll do that there uh, uh the first envelope here is for best lead character performance in star wars now we're talking about the character and the actor diving on into it there in story and out of story there so uh we uh this it's, it's always interesting to determine what is the lead i think sometimes the academy <laughs> that yeah. suffers with that too but i think we all we all know what we mean in Star Wars when they were in the lead position in a movie, the big three, the big four, all that kind of stuff. So, Sebulba. Yeah. (laughs) Indeed. So, uh, Jennifer, I would like to give you the honors of opening the first envelope. Okay. I mean, this one, I'm sure we're all going to have the same answer, perhaps. But for me, it is Mark Hamill. Mm. uh, Because, and it really is his performance spanning from A New Hope to The Last Jedi. Seeing that evolution of Mm -hmm. the character and Mark Hamill as the actor, people do not give him enough credit for his performance in the original trilogy. I mean, he made made Yoda, this green puppet, seem real from his acting performance. And then to see him become this disillusioned Jedi in The Last Jedi was... It was just fantastic, and I do feel like he should have been nominated for an Oscar for that performance. For Last Jedi? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
just the hand slapping scene alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he infused comedy. He mm-hmm. inf- and there was such depth. And I could really feel the history of this character. Mm-hmm. And also the actor himself who's who gave this character life. I like that idea. That you could see it in his eyes. You could see you the could. history of both him and, and Mark Hamill's relationship with Star Wars over the years. Yeah, that's a great choice. A, a career retrospective award. Yeah, right. <laughs> Skywalker. Uh, Joseph, your envelope, please. My envelope is ripped open to reveal... Everything Jennifer just said. (laughs) No, absolutely. Mark Hamill was without pause, without doubt. Mm -hmm. I feel like his performance in the original trilogy is amazing from the whiny Tashi Station line onward. I feel like that line reading makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, everything you said about Empire, about making all of that real, playing some of those harder, larger genre moments like that scream of no, and it's (sighs) totally... It feels real and and not too much to me at all. You try getting your hand cut off by, you know, the person you hate most in the world and then have him real quick say, I'm your father. How would you react? (laughs) (laughs) Would you be a quiet little elegant? No, I don't think so. Um, But there's so many moments in Return of the Jedi in particular Mm -hmm. that I go to, to to play the I made this big mistake in Empire. I ran off. I finally get it. Everything Obi-Wan and Yoda have been telling me about. Mm-hmm. This is a serious, somber thing to be a Jedi. It's not adventure. And to suddenly become this very serious-minded young man who understands the responsibility on his shoulders, mm-hmm. but still be fun-loving and still care about his friends and still be in the moment, so many of those things. And just the, the moment when he does cut off uh, Vader's hand and sees the, uh, the electronics and looks at his own hand, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. he plays in those beats and makes all those decisions, it's all just an actor or a writer wrote on a page, make all of these decisions in your mind. Mm -hmm. And he does flawlessly, you know, exactly what Luke is thinking Mm -hmm. at all times. And it is just amazing. And that's not even getting into last Jedi. I will, uh, End my Mark Hamill speech uh, for time, but I 100% agree with everything you said and think he absolutely should have been nominated for an Oscar. And like, not even in a joking way, that is a phenomenal performance about the kind of things that the Academy usually cares about, which is somebody reflecting on hard truths of life and coping with them and trying to come to terms with them while also deftly handling comedy, you know? Yeah. Mm. Mark Hamill all the way. Mark Hamill all the way. That's a great choice. You guys are good. I uh, I, I came close on some of the uh, the newer ones. I think those uh, the stories, individual, I was looking at Kylo Ren, Last Jedi, Ray Force Wiggins, but those stories are still being told. Mm. And I think uh, I think Adam Driver, I mean, he's now Oscar nominated himself for reason. So, uh, but I will go, I'll go, I'll go to the big three and I'm going to look at Harrison Ford and the Empire Strikes Back mm. uh, as kind of a template. We talked a lot about tone, jokingly saying, is Han Solo the... Epitome of Star Wars tone. There's some truth to that. Some everyone as as a piece of the Star Wars tone. But I love him in Empire. I love what he brought and how he expanded the hotshot smuggler, the good scoundrel, the good heart, and and entered. The love story was convincing. Obviously, Carrie Fisher is there dancing with him uh, equally. But I, I I still look at that performance as what a lot of Star Wars performances are measured against. Mm-hmm. You go back to Empire being everyone's. I say everyone with quotes, but everyone's favorite movie. I think I think he might be the the the, the, the through line through that entire movie. Then I'll, I'll I'll look at Force Awakens when he comes back, because I don't necessarily think Harrison was too interested in Return of the Jedi, uh, though that's you know as my youth I, I didn't care. But Force Awakens ties it into that where he comes back and and again 
shows up to play, brings some depth to the character, the looks to Ray. Yeah. The comedy, the, the, that's not how the first force works. The Rathar sequence, which I, I don't like the Rathars themselves, but there's some great Han stuff in that. Amazing yeah. And then yeah. him, com- him coming back to full circle at the moment of uh, it, it's true, all of it's true, that, that whole sequence. Uh, is, is, is Harrison coming to, to finish his character in a, in a great way? So I'll, I'll hand the award to Harrison Ford mm. for Mosquito Coast. <laughs> Uh, second category we're going with is the best supporting did character. Did you want to do in the characters? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you see those as two different things? I uh, just want to no. know the Academy rules from, from <laughs> the, you were uh, the Academy for I, this. I, I saw that as, as a as a mix of one, but we can, yes, I, I, I'm prepared to do that too. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, like I was going just going to say, I think the best actor in the universe is yeah. Chief Palpatine within the reality. He did oh, the best acting job. Oh, I like I that. See. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, he kind of, Kind of wins, hand down. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, though I, I, yeah, it's still, still might be Kylo too, though. Because yeah. I don't know what he's playing with. Oh, you know, oh. And, and I, I, I believe every word he's saying uh, to Ray. I'm not one of those. Uh, we'll see how the story plays out. I'm not one of those. He was lying to Ray completely, hundred percent type of people. I, I could get that idea, but but there's there's a lot going on in him uh, too, where he's I think he's playing. He played Snoke. Snoke's in his mind, yeah, and he played Snoke. Mm. So I like yeah, that. Oh, that's a yeah, that is a good acting moment, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jennifer, I agree. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, to how Sheev? can you top that? <laughs> oh. Yeah, Sheev. I mean, Sheev going all the way back. I mean, Ian McDiarmid. I mean. This this great stage actor bringing in that yeah. big bombast yes. surprise to be subtle. sure. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, we'll be watching your career for a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, so number second, uh, second number two category is best supporting character performance in Star Wars. Now this is where it's wide open because yeah. what is a supporting character to mm. what level? Tough. Yeah, this is just brutal. This is yeah. cruel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why we're doing this. I don't know why we're doing this. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, do you want to go first? We'll, we'll go around oh, the room like man, this. Man, man, that's really hard. Oh, I, I uh, can yeah, go. you go first. I'll see if you take one of mine and then make me feel less bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My best supporting character performance in Star Wars goes to Shmi Skywalker, Pranilla August, and the Phantom Menace. Oh. I'm thinking, you know, that's a good one. you know when someone wins an Academy Award and then everyone goes, but they were like on scene for two minutes, on screen for two minutes, and it's like something monologue that went her handing off Anakin to Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and just his life I still think is one of the more touching scenes in Star Wars and, and connects a lot to the heart of Anakin and you know you kind of go back a little bit to how you raised and I still look at her raising him as best she could under their circumstances and this is an accomplished actor Pernilla August who, who gets a little tiny role and then we we joke we joke uh, but but the heat between her and Qui Gon, like someone who like she's got someone's attention and 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 like she feels a connection to this guy, and trusts him in this way. Uh, I love that, and I I, I even like the uh, he 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 will help you. He was meant to help you. That whole line from the yeah. trailer is is one that kind of gave me chills as as a youngster watching the movie twenty years ago. So I'm handing it to Shmi. All right, mm. Shmi that is, Skywalker. That's very good. I don't know if I took anyone's award. No. (laughs) (laughs) But she's a great choice that I totally overlooked. I don't know. I was so lost with this, Mm -hmm. and I had so many. So many many places to go. I was like, do I go like Peter Mayhew? Do I go? Mm. I mean, could Leia be considered a supporting character? Gary Fisher. So I went totally Dame Judi Dench. 
in Shakespeare and Love. Yeah. Where it's just really one scene right. that to me wow. made it everything. Mm. And it's a character that I did not particularly care for. Mm. And that is Snoke in The Last Jedi. Interesting. Andy yeah. Serkis's performance. That to me, that performance sold me on that villain. Um, and because uh, I did not like Snoke, I thought he was kind of a hokey villain in The Force Awakens. I agree. I, yeah, you know, and, but he gave this, this, as Joseph, as you always say, this pulpy performance, very reminiscent for me of Ian McDermott's performance, and he made it work. And, yeah. the, and it, it, I relished every line that he uttered. It was a joy to watch, and I, I hated him, and I yeah. loved him. And that to me is a mark of a successful actor slash villain. Down to every level, I think. I think, uh, Joseph. I think you and I have this fav- favorite little beat of Snoke, which is Skywalker. I, I assume <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's such an it's asshole such a good, <laughs> line <laughs> delivery, and it makes him so real. It does. Yeah, it yeah. really does. Because everything else is that. Uh, not everything else, but but you know, oh, a fiery spit of hope. All that stuff's great, and but there's that little line of uh, Skywalker. So like. Oh man, yeah. You, yeah. Can, you just you've met that yeah. that person who is a jerk and does have power and does know things yeah. and is using it on people and ugh. Yeah, yeah. love it. So that's a great. I think and you can't go wrong with Nandy Circus, right? I, yeah. don't, I really don't think you can. Yeah. So the gold robe gets a gold statue. There you go. I love that. All right, gets cut in half immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So this made it uh, easier because okay. uh, I wasn't sure if we're going more for character or more for actor. Actors. So this right. makes it a little bit easier. For me, this is a little kind of old school and classic, but I think it all should have been done. I think Al Guinness in A New Hope. Oh, I mean, the epitome of uh, supporting character. And just as time goes on, the value of how seriously he took that role and how much life he infused it with. Obviously, I think maybe Lucas told him, yeah, you know, Obi-Wan's being a little shifty. Mm -hmm. We, We don't know exactly what the truth is. But that whole scene where he explains, you know, all of Star Wars to, to Luke yeah. real yeah. quick about the yeah. Force and the Jedi. When Luke is like, what is the Force? And he has that little take to be like, oh, my God, you, I, that's, yeah. I remember you don't even know that. And that little smile that plays on his face of like he's mm-hmm. so young. Mm-hmm. He has no idea. I'm yeah. just going to dole it out this much. And then that the perfect little bits of manipulation of you must you know, mm-hmm. learn the ways of the Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I would give it to Alec Guinness. Yes, I great think, choice. I think that's a great choice and, and was was nominated, right? So we're ha- in, in real life, right? I remember. I don't have a list in front of me oh, in 77. Gosh. Yeah, right. But uh, I also like what you're saying is in, in, in each bit of chunks uh, dialogue he has, you, you you can crawl into there and find a bunch of story. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yep. and and in a weird way, he it's it's not a big leap for me as a fan to crawl into that and like, all right, so he says I don't ever recall owning Detroit. But the, even the look on his face, sometimes I'm like, I, uh, did Alec Guinness know that there'd be the Clone Wars series yeah. later? <laughs> like, if he knows he doesn't technically own yeah. Detroit, is he saying that to R2 as a warning? Yeah. Like, shh, don't. Uh, you know, in his yeah. he's got such a, he's, got such a defined attitude toward every other character. His yeah. entire attitude to Han, toward Han Solo is like, I know what you are too. Yeah. You're a brash young guy, so I'm going to take the piss out of you. Of Should I have? <laughs> Should I? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. That's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Uh, uh, close call for me. I was, I was going to say uh, perhaps Governor Tarkin in New Hope too, Peter. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Setting the tone for what imp- the cold, icy Imperials are. Yep. Yes. yep. You know? Uh, and, and not uh, he was more the villain than Vader in a weird way in mm. that one. All right, so that's our choices for best supporting character performance in Star Wars. Now we're going to get uh, it's even more difficult now. 
Uh, we're going with best song in Star Wars. We will not have performances here. Uh, no one will be doing the songs. Uh, and we're going, I'm saying score because we could oh. have easily, uh, you know, you could n- nominate Laptinek if you want. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay. No, well, no, no, the score part. no, 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 no. If that's your choice, that's, that's on the oh. album. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on the album. okay. Go, yeah, go ahead. All right. All right. Uh, Joseph, do you want to start or I'll start? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'll start. Yeah. Um, you know, I did not also pay attention to the direction of the Academy, uh, and I went with... The Academy's very confused a lot of times. <laughs> the score is hard, because mm. there, are, there are so many different things, and there are things that are... Well, is that technically a song, or is that a motif? Right. Or right. is that a, a musical theme that crops up in many songs on the soundtrack? True. Uh, so what I went with, and I can correct this, uh, no. if the Academy would choose, is the Cantina song. Ah. Oh, I think that's great. Oh, wow. Yes, is that's that what yours? I had. Yeah, but I want to hear why you chose that. I chose not only because it's a, a beautiful, iconic, fun piece of music, mm-hmm. but in that sort of revolutionary score for 1977 by by mm-hmm. bucking the musical trends of the time, uh, that to have a, a song that is interior to the world mm-hmm. still match the score and feel like it is of the musical score, mm-hmm. but also define so much about the world. And as I've gone on and on about before, my how important that is that that's kind of jazz inspired, right? That it mm. gives it in gave it in the real world in 1977 a sense of classicness, a sense of mm. older generation, and yeah. a sense of the past. And it, that that song accomplishes all those things, and then also just sounds exactly like what you would imagine would be in a space bar, but could have never imagined unless right. you were John Williams, right? Mm. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Is is Williams, you know, comes up with. <laughs> Like he gets it. That's yeah. what he. That's why he's John freaking Williams. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I love it. Okay, that's a great choice. That was that your choice of all. That was La- not lapty neck. You, uh, you no, can switch it lapty. I did not. But now I'm going to change mine because now that I see the rules here, Academy. Uh, I it's yeah to score. And I just I just had this thought, and I, of course I went to Princess Leia's theme, but then I went to Ray's theme slash the Jedi steps. That's yeah. a great choice. That. That is uh, such a magical piece of music that every time I hear it, it just like it transports me to this other world. And that's what I love so much about about the music of Star Wars is that instantly just a few a few measures. You just are like, I know that. Yeah. I know what that is. It gives me this this visceral feeling, and that's why I love oh this yeah the stuff this mm. music from the the sequel trilogy is so good. Yeah, I mean Jedi steps. I I. I just can't praise that enough as some of his best work for the ending, what it means, what it means to both characters, including finding Luke up there waiting yeah. mm-hmm. um, and the story. And I still, you know, I love that ending and there's obstacles in the story to come that I love, but that I, I, I still look at that as the best ending in star Wars in a weird way. We'll see yeah. what happens with nine. Right. Um, and musically. And I, th- I think once again, like, like George Lucas would say that the secret sauce of star Wars, it is Williams work as she climbs up those steps. <sighs> It fits so well. So that's your score piece. I love that. Yeah. You have a quick score op. Just, I, yeah. It is tough because yeah. like they show I, up everywhere. Binary Sunset is hard oh, to Very hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if we're going to give them out by trilogy, I, I think it, it gets maybe overused. But Duel of the Fates is a really powerful yes. piece of music that really does make you feel like the galaxy just changed. This is the first time that Sith and Jedi really right. come into conflict. And now there is going to be mm-hmm. more conflict than the galaxy has known for a long time. And fates are being decided right in this deadly deadly fight and all of that you you feel it 
It, I mean, it is the Star Wars single. Had a video yeah. on MTV and yeah. VH1 for a reason. I, I could, could you imagine? You've already been blown away by John Williams for his whole career and what he did on your first three movies. And you're George Lucas, and, and, and John's like, hey, listen to this. <laughs> what? What have you given yeah. me? Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. My One of my backup choices, uh, I, I think it's underrated way. I always go to Yoda's theme. Oh, yeah. um, it's so comforting to me and it's so beautiful and, and, and really speaks to that side of Yoda. That is the comfort guiding, but also tough, but all, and, and it lines up to whether he appears in the, in the prequels talking to younglings or shows back up to Luke. I yeah. love that, that scene in the last Jedi. I think a lot of people love, but when the music kicks in that the, like you said, Joseph, there's little motifs and themes come back, but yeah. when Yoda's theme pops back into that towards the end as yeah. it fades away, that, Pulled the tears from my mind, from mm. my soul. So I love that. Yoda's Good thing. choice. Yeah. Good choices all around. All around. All right. This one. This is going to be interesting. Here. Mm-hmm. Number four is best directed sequence in Star Wars. Now, nah, sequence can be, you know, it could be a lot of things in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Um, it could be small. It could be larger. So we're leaving it open. There's no wrong answer here. There's no wrong answers at all today. Um, but I don't feel... You know, Jennifer, all right? <laughs> okay. No matter what you chose, all right? <laughs> Looking at you. Um, so uh, best directed sequence in Star Wars. Do you, who wants to start? Any volunteers? Just like class. I'll start. Yeah, go ahead. Joseph's got it. Yeah, I'll rip open that envelope. And it is revealed Han's carbon freezing scene in Empire Strikes oh, yeah. Back. Oh. Um, I didn't even, I didn't even remember that. So good. <laughs> I, Gosh. I, I, I love all of the the modern films. Mm-hmm. Uh but it, I, I think Empire Strikes Back still might be the most, uh, the, the best directed. Yeah. Because it yeah. feels like every frame is cared for. We know from the history that Irvin Kirshner went over on the shooting because he cared about everything. Mm-hmm. And I think he really worked with the actors. And I think one of the best places in Empire to see that is in that whole carbon freezing thing. Everything from the uh, I love you, I know to the little touches of mm. Fett raising his blaster and Vader just putting it mm. down. And then you, everything about that is, of course, like just uh, uh, design-wise looks so, so beautiful. Right. But then you get into just using the camera angles and the edits, everything for the emotion of what is happening to Han. Cocky, cocky, cocky until that mm. quick look on his face of he truly doesn't know what this is. He hasn't been through this. He doesn't yeah. know what's about to happen to him. And that little bit of fear... The uh, mm-hmm. the raising uh, the mm-hmm. the actual carbon freezing yeah. uh, uh, carbon froze hunt up everything. and then the fast cut to the slam in Leia's horror yeah. and it really lets you the audience feel the horror mm-hmm. of it's such a weird idea of like your favorite hero from Star Wars potentially yeah. has been turned into an ice cube it could have been goofy and he makes it terrifying right. and heartbreaking. I really like that. That's so good. I, you know, when I say I forgot that, meaning like I'm running through my choices, yeah, know, and then I make some notes. I don't. I forget. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot it. Yeah, and there's so many. Yeah, so many moments in Empire, like when Luke and Han leave yeah. each other on Hoth, and there's just that <laughs> weightier look. And I just attribute that to Kirshner just being like, "Give me, give me yeah. that real emotion. How do you feel?" And I feel like that's the scene that incorporates the most of that. I love that choice. 
That's a great one. Yeah. See, that's what Jen. I was looking for. Because mm. I really wanted, like, when I'm thinking of best, I was thinking best director, and Irving Kirshner, for me, is is the best one. Right. I mean, uh, sorry, George. <laughs> You're a visionary. Uh, hey. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> he was George's teacher. Like. Yeah, best or more intense. Uh, so, but but I, but I think mm. uh, the sequence that I always think of in my mind, and it's, I'm sure it's nostalgia, but one that I can, like, do the beats in my head, is the Jabba sail barge scene mm-hmm. uh, with where Luke finally gets his lightsaber yeah. and ignites it. And what I was thinking about was as a, from a director standpoint, you're dealing with creatures and I'm sure that they shot this at different points of the day or d- different days. You have the creatures that you're dealing with on the sail barge. So you've got that action. Then you've got to deal with the real live actors. Plus you have Peter Mayhew in this big suit. So there's just a lot of moving parts. And then you actually do have like stunt people and you don't want to give too much away. You got to build that suspense. Um, so there was just a lot of, things within that sequence that I thought was trickier to manage. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, whether it was Hamill's choice, a a directorial uh, directive, but that little look that Luke gives his lightsaber. Yes. Everything about that is already great with the way it's set up of R2 uh, getting him the lightsaber. But that look of like, all right, now we're in business. Yeah. That Mm. little half smile is Mm. powerful. I think it's one of the best bits of direction in Return of the Jedi. Mm. That's so true. So I, I, I'm feeling, uh, you know, I don't know which way to go. I have some options here, but, All right. but I love. Aside, so this, I love the throne room scene, in Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and you know, Richard Mark Wan gets the credit. Whether George was there on set, pushing the pieces and buttons, we don't know. Um, I was looking at Vader's reveal in Empire, the specific "I am your father" sequence, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'm going to go this direction. My trophy goes to, my award goes to the throne room in The Last Jedi. Nice. Now, that includes the fight, and I know the the fight, I've heard some people, they love it. Some people don't like the, just talking about the fight specifically. I love it. I love how it looks. I love how it's shot. But I'll break it down. We talked about the Snoke moments, the whole conversation with Snoke. Everything he says, I love. I love every every feel, every look, every, every emotion that he's getting across. I love... The fiery pit, pit of, of of hope, fiery spit of hope, still left in Ray, um, combined with her terror. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end, what it goes down to me is is after the fight, her and Kylo. At, yeah. the, at the moment, you know, Ben. No, it's Kylo Ren's been born here. <laughs> like yeah. this is it. And the him talking to her, and this is this is why I look at Adam Driver as as the best in the sequel trilogy in terms of performance. Just what he's getting out of that. Um, what he's what he's bringing to that, I I love it. I stop what I'm doing every time. Sometimes I just put that scene on, and I think it's some of Daisy's best work. I think also her in the tree with Luke uh, when she first, you know, mm-hmm. who are you, Ray from nowhere? I think that's a great little mm-hmm. quiet scene. But I will go big epic, and then it breaks down to this truth being revealed uh, possibly in both of them, and that's what I love. So I'm yeah. gonna go that sequence. I think that's really great. A lot lots of uns spoken things that make it more powerful of like right. when she just turns and realizes he's not going to do it. And he's not, yeah. he's mm. not. I love that. So That's that is that, one. that is the awards final. No one out there can change them. Uh, fifth one is a, a dual award. This is the best comedy and drama moment. All right. Now we're breaking it up into two here, or is it, uh, we're going to have a Judd Apatow comedy drama. Moment? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that would be dramedy moment. Dramedy. Right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, so we got two little moments here. This one was tough. This one was tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I don't want to outthink myself. 
Um, but I did come up with some selections. Uh, Jen, do you have a, a, a comedy moment you want to share first? Yeah, I mean, there's just too many to, to think mm-hmm. of. There's too many nominees yeah. in this category. But the one that I think of, that I've talked about before, is in The Force Awakens between Poe and Kylo Ren, the Who Talks first bit. Mm. And I think that what that does so effectively is we were, I think back at the time we were watching The Force Awakens, first time getting back to see a Star Wars film. And it was very traditional Star Wars, you know, mystical and whatnot. And then this moment that you see Kylo Ren, this big baddie, and then this moment with Poe is so comedic and fun. And to me, that was like, okay, it's Star Wars. Right. Mm -hmm. This is this is what Star Wars is about. And so that to me is an effective comedic moment. I love all the comedic moments in the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. and even small moments in the original trilogy. I mean, there's just too many to name. <laughs> I even love some of Jar Jar's moments too. My daughter has taught me how to appreciate to appreciate <laughs> the physical comedy in the slapstick yeah. side of it. I love that. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great one. Uh, comedy moment, Joseph. Yeah. Also way, uh, long, long list, uh, but I yeah, am going to yeah. give the statue to a newer film to a uh, solo, a Star Wars story to uh, Han attempts attempts to threaten Anfis. Oh, that's so good. It is successful beat after successful beat while being pretty big comedy. I got this. I got this. The step forward, the cockiness, the Falcon taking off immediately, and the slow walk back is just, it's perfect. It's a perfect little comedy sequence (laughs) in a really tense, emotional Western science fiction spaghetti Western standoff, you know, that it's just, it's really, really successful to me. When he gets back in line and does the whole, like, hey, you know, do do your thing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you you do yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's also just like, that's that's the Han we know, but not crystallized yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's that's a great one. I I was looking at Solo. Trying to find there's there's good options there because immediately you think you think of it as one of the more lighter Star Wars movies, but that that's not necessarily true in terms of comedy. And, and weird way, Force Awakens might be uh, for me, but uh, that's a great one. That's a great one. I'm I I went I surprised myself with my choice. I went back to my childhood, uh-huh. and I'm choosing C3PO is some sort of god. I'm choosing the sequence wow. when that's revealed. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love a lot of what C3PO uh, brings to the series in terms of comedy other than say attack the clones a lot of it didn't work there for me but i love it because here's this droid especially now that we have now eight movies and clone war series and everywhere where three is kind of uh pushed around bullied made fun of yeah we get it he's, he's uh, uptight and prissy droid but so there's a lot of comedy from that he's kind of clueless because he's so clued into protocol um i like all that but in this moment when he pops up and just I, there's it's, it's Harrison doing the read of like, oh, well, OK, like they can't believe this. They, they, they've been especially Harrison Goldenrod. He's been disrespecting three people for a yeah. long time, <laughs> shutting them off. And I just love the Ewoks praising, falling to their knees. That guy's wise. All of it. <laughs> yeah. I just it, it's a lot. Some of the humor in Jedi doesn't stand up for me. The even the solo tap and three, you know, three times on the chat on the shoulder. Not my favorite sequence Ugh. now, but as as a kid, I loved it more than I more than I do now. But this one, I'm I'm saying, C three PO being crowned to God is delicious, wonderful, justifying uh, ju- ju- justice in the form of iron. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yes. it's That's an nice. early morning. Um, yeah, so I'm going with that. That's Excellent. Surprise choice. myself. Yeah. Excellent. Surprise myself. Excellent. <laughs> 
All right, drama. I'll start drama, I guess, and we'll, we'll go around there. Um, I'm going to what I think is one of my favorite acting moments in the series, and there's not a lot of dialogue other than from a hologram. It is Jin in the hologram, as I like to say. Mm. Jin or so ah. sees her father. I think Felicity Jones in this moment just nails everything, the history of the character and everything. You know, And I, I do think it plays Perfectly just as the movie, but when you read all the other stuff too and you get the whole picture of the character of Jin, this moment he means even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always go to the idea that, hey, she thought her, thought her father was dead, but also thought her father ran away to join the Empire. Didn't yeah. get it. She traitor. Was seven. Traitor. A lot of things going on there. So the reveal, not only, is, not only is he alive, he's trying to do his best to take this all down and now it falls to me. I just And then, you know, I actually do like Forrest Whitaker in that moment, hearing the in the distance and there's something ominous when he turns like yeah that's the end for him he does, so all of it plays and i just like that little sequence it is another one of those moments that if i've got rogue one on in the background and i'm waiting just for the third act because that's my favorite you know i want some just some star fighting i'll stop and watch that scene i just yeah. love it so much so i'll mm-hmm. hand the award to jen or so that's that's great uh, jen a drama one. moment yes best drama no my my nominees are uh, <laughs> the sequence in empire strikes back uh, where darth vader says i'm your father uh the scene in return of the jedi between luke and leia when he says my sister has it and he reveals that she he's mm, she's like his that. sister uh and the final nominee is a scene between ray and kylo ren in the last jedi where they touch hands mm. and the winner is <laughs> luke and leia and Return of the Jedi. I my like sister has it. Wow. Uh, to me, that moment, and may, again, going back to nostalgia, it's a moment that I remember being genuinely surprised and delighted by as a, mm-hmm. as a young child. And it's it's a great scene between Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. I think it's one of uh, Carrie Fisher's best performances. The There's so much weight and so much exposition, if you will, of the story that's being delivered. And yet there is so, there is so much uh, truth and it's very grounded, even though it's this huge reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's it's just so well done. And it was so exciting to, to hear these words. The force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. And my sister has it. And the I was like, eye flick <gasps> yeah. is a perfectly timed when he exactly when he looks at her. Oh my gosh. And then her reaction of really taking that in, but realizing she has this look in her eye, like, of course this Mm. makes sense to me. It's so great by Carrie Fisher. That's my favorite drama moment. Don't think you can go wrong there. That's a good one. That's great. I sometimes get hung up on really not understanding. uh, uh, And I've given myself Star Wars counseling of having Leia talk so formally in parts of that scene. Mm. Hmm. I've never understood why Marquand or Lucas made that choice. So I sometimes get distracted by that, but you're right that all of Carrie Fisher's like acting choices are amazing when she's processing. Um, Bad news. Darth Vader's your father. Maybe good news. Yeah. (laughs) I'm your brother. And like coming to some amount of peace with that, but like that, that whole perspective the whole time of like her kind of sensing that Luke is somewhere else and needs something else and is yeah. going to do something dangerous and she doesn't want him to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Powerful. <laughs> Love that. Love that, sir. All right. Drama uh, moment for you. Drama moment. Uh, I'm not even going to list the nominees. I am just going to go right for giving the award to also Luke and Leia. Oh. But in The Last Jedi. Oh. I think their scene in yeah. The Last Jedi is one of just the most condensed drama moments building even on that scene in Return of the Jedi yeah. the, that is the 
the chosen storytelling of the Skywalker saga, where these huge epic stories only have four, five, maybe ten in a really long scene line to convey a massive amount of information, and it's on the actors to just show them processing all of that on their faces for us, the audience, and, you know, the extra weight of the real life and how perfectly they played that, the deafness of having that touch of comedy and then moving on and just having them have every possible nuance of meaning from those words mm. that they do is just, it's phenomenal. Mm. I love that. I love both your choices, man. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's worth the price of the ticket in The Last Jedi for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. In a movie I love, that scene alone. Wow, so good. So good. And and Carrie Fisher's just being Carrie in that scene. Yeah. I, I changed yeah. my hair and all that kind of stuff. And even so. the way he, he it's so brotherly, the way yeah. Luke says it's nice that way. And <laughs> yes. then he has to shift gear and that they both know that he's there to apologize. But, you know, he does offer her a little, mm-hmm. a little bit more hope. Mm-hmm. No one's ever truly gone. And yeah, I love it. Great awards. Yeah. There. Good Ugh. job, both of you, bringing your A game. We're going to uh, go to our best costume in Star Wars. Wow, there's a lot of choices. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of choices. My mind went several different directions from the stark simpleness of something to the ornate beauty of another thing. I don't know which way to go. So, Jen, you're going to go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, I do love John Molo's costume design from A New Hope. The simplicity, also the lack of resources made it good. But I have to go with Queen Amidala's throne room gown in The Phantom Menace. Costume designer, Trisha Bigger. You know, she, I looked this up, she designed 68 different outfits for Padme over the course of those three films. So amazing. And every single one is iconic and the detail in each one is impeccable. There's also like, she draws from other cultures and historical elements and just just top notch. And I think she only just recently won Mm. uh, an Academy Award for something. I can't remember what, but it, it was a crime that she was not nominated for the phantom menace because that to me says so much about amidala and also the the gown was designed to make uh padme look bigger than she was Mm, give her that stature yeah Uh, just so much thought and and detail and care went into that and the whole culture of naboo not just the character but just like everything it's so much world building in a garment yeah. Yep. World building in a garment's a good uh, Ooh, pamphlet one, on how to design. One last tidbit. Yeah. The costume took to eight weeks to make and cost a staggering $60,000 in materials wow. and labor. Wow. And how much of that was the bulbs? At the yeah, bottom, exactly. Right? You know, right. Damn. Uh, I tell you, it was one of my nominees because that shot, man, of her looking out the window from the trailer, yeah. it's, just, it's one of those Star Wars shots mm-hmm. that I love. Ooh, great. Um, you want to go? I want sure, to go. You talk sure. first. I talk first. Uh, I talk first. <laughs> right, right, I talk first. Uh, uh, I get. I had that on my list of mm-hmm. nominees. Yeah. Uh, that particular Padme dressed. Uh, but when I sat and thought about it more, I'm giving the trophy to just Jedi robes. That's good. That <laughs> that's great. Pure, pure simplicity that starts with uh, Obi Wan. Uh, that uh, I, I believe is the the Jedi adopted the simple dress of the farmers, and mm-hmm. we see that in Galen Erso looking a little. Little right. farmer Jedi, and then it obviously gets a little fancier in the prequels, a little bit diversified. But just think of how many iconic moments are about a Jedi with the hood up, mm-hmm. Put, taking it up, putting mm-hmm. it down, and just that sense of how much the Jedi robe gives the Jedi a sense of 
formality, but also like a flowing energy. Right. That hood and those long sleeves of just sort of having a sense of being serene and contained. Mm-hmm. But that robe comes off. Yeah. The lightsaber comes out. Yeah. All, I think so much is is communicated by the Jedi robe. Mm. I yeah, absolutely right. And 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 the lore that's even just grown up around that. You know what yeah. I mean? That that this is and. and and going from Obi Wan and and Yoda wearing it to an Empire, I think that's sometimes forgotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We we look at the pre- well, you know, why why are they all well, prequel Jedi's are dressed like Tatooine people? Well, Yoda was too. Yeah, like, it was already <laughs> in place. Yeah, uh, and I'm totally on board with the idea that the Jedi dressed humbly. Yeah, as, as farmers. Yeah, that's it's sim- simplicity. Sometimes you got the two that you got this. $60,000 and you got some robes. Yep. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> they both work. So, tough choices here for me. Uh, I I have some nominees. It's it's Lando Calrissian in Empire Strikes Back. Ooh, yeah, Ooh, classic. Set the tone of capes in the galaxy being cool, not just menacing. Infus Nest and Solo. Oh, I, yeah. You take Star Wars cool, but then you put some story into the outfit. And when she talks about, you know, my mother wore the mask, you, you get the sense of there's something there to this and what uh, things mean things on this outfit. And, and I like it. And, and her marauders her cloud riders have similar themes going on, but infus nest to me is one of my, the best designs, but I, I just, I'm going to go classic. You're going Jedi robes. I'm going the other side. I will go with the costume of <laughs> Darth Vader. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I, I want to outthink myself and sometimes I think you got to go with the answer. If you had done this wrong, a couple clicks left or right, this could be super silly. Yeah. And you've seen some designs that look cool or weird and just don't work. You can only imagine what was the final product. Yeah. But I, I look at it and it all flow. Darth Maul flows to that. Even the Emperor, in a way, flows to that. Uh, Kylo Ren, which is another great. Kylo Ren of Force Awakens is amazing design. Yeah. Pitch perfect, perfect Star Wars evil, right? But it flows back. Everything goes back to Vader. And if that that face, if every, every little angle and and the eyes, the mouth, the little things sticking out, the chain around his neck to hold him the game, everything, yeah. it works. Even his jumper. And if it didn't, we might have might have had a problem. You never know. Absolutely, we'll never know. So I got to give the lifetime achievement award. To Darth Vader. That's great. Final one here as we wrap up our Star Wars Oscars. This is our own category. Uh, we uh, each just had our own little thing. So um, that said, uh, Jen, do you want to go first on your own Star Wars Oscar category? Sure. So I'm giving this Academy Award to Best Creature Design in a Star Wars film. So mm. we have a lot of films to choose from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. My, uh, my The winner is... The Return of the Jedi. And yeah. it goes to Phil Tippett, along with Joe Johnson, Neil Rodas Jamero, Dave Carson, Ken <laughs> Ralston, and Chris Wallace. So what I find so so great about the Return of the Jedi creature design is really the success of bringing these these puppets to life and making them feel like a real world, specifically J- uh-huh. Jabba's throne room. Uh, you, you know, you think about all these creatures that are so iconic now: Gamorrean guard, Bib Fortuna, obviously Jabba, Salacious Crumb, uh, the the Skiff guards, the Rancor. Like, there's just so much. And what I find really fascinating is that uh, Phil Tippett has said that all the creatures started off not by like drawings, but actually as clay 
sculptures Mm -hmm. that were about two to six inches tall. There were no sketches or drawings because they were better sculptors than they were artists in that way. And I think that you can really feel that. When I look at these characters on screen, I can feel what their skin might feel. You know, feel yeah, like. yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. I can Absolutely. imagine what what Jabba's <laughs> slime yeah, might yeah. feel like, and so that's why a I think it's yeah. a success. And plus, in England, there was a crew of thirty mimes and puppeteers that brought all those characters to life. Amazing! What a crew! Yeah, I yeah. just I get so I love this. I just is my favorite, my favorite. Yeah. But there, I mean, Neil Scanlon and his team in the sequel trilogy, yeah, outstanding. They've done an amazing job. But you're right, like a lot of like iconic, like what we think of Star Wars, like Twi'leks. Like, yeah, right, yeah. right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Black totally. Bar. yeah, absolutely. All right, yeah. turn of the Jedi creature design. Love that, sir. Uh, for my category, uh, I went with giving an Academy Award to the best battle cry. Uh, there's a lot of great oh. roars, a lot of great uh, barks and whoops and whatnot, uh, but I made this just to give an award to a Porg. Yes. This is for oh. the Porg on board the Falcon. Yes. Should be absurd, but it is a fist-pumping action moment of, yes, the Falcon is here, and this Porg is unstoppable. <laughs> I love that moment, and I love that. That is a ringtone waiting to happen. That is a text tone waiting to yeah. happen. Oh, yeah, plus, if you if you actually gave these awards away, it's just fun to imagine the Porg trying to figure out how to how to move the statue. <laughs> to move this. And Chewie just kind of behind him, holding it. Oh, yeah, uh, make Chewie do it. Chewie be like... Yeah. And, then like and then like the Porg does the acceptance speech, and it gets cut off, and Chewie just has to say thank you to a, a dead microphone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, love it. That's Fair great. Enough. Uh, so this is probably because I was watching the Oscar broadcast uh, while I was uh, going over this stuff. I wanted to go with the best short film in Star Wars, and I got Ooh. a little cheeky <laughs> by good. saying the rescue from Jabba's palace. Oh, uh, the old yeah. sometimes joke, uh, but I get it. Uh, I don't think it's one hundred percent true, but I'm playing around with it now that. The opening of Return of the Jedi, it's kind of its own movie. It really is. It's You go off here, there's uh, not really a first, second, and third act of that movie. There's a movie, and then there's like a second and third act of the Star Wars story going on there. So I'm going to give the best short film to uh, the entire sequence of <laughs> Jabba's Palace into the rescue over the Sarlacc pit. Uh, one of my favorites as a child for a reason. And a lot of what you're talking about, Jen, the creature design, the world that felt so that felt scary. I felt scared as a seven-year-old. The Rancor, Jabba, ever, the Gamorrean guards. Uh, you know, when that arm reaches out and grabs 3PO when they're walking down the hall, like, ah, there's so much stuff around. <laughs> then the action uh, going again to, you know, that look you said, uh, that's so perfect, Joseph, that look on Luke's face when he gets a lightsaber. Yeah. And it is everything Star Wars was to me when I was too young to learn all the lessons Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of things at play in, the, in this sequence, but it's its own little film for me. The rescue from Jabba's palace. That it was like is great. The movie before the movie. Yeah, when you exactly. go to a Disney movie and like, here's a short film that's going to touch your heart. Mm-hmm. So that is our Oscars, our Star Wars Oscars. Uh, you know, it was there's always a lot of choices. <laughs> it's not quite a easy decision uh, on any of these. Uh, and uh, if you have an answer. Let us know. Use the hashtag Force Center and uh, maybe even hashtag Star Wars Oscars. We'll get something started. Um, let us know your choices or what you think about these ones. But we're going to go to our audience questions. We like to take questions from you every episode so we can uh, have your voice heard and uh, answer what you want us to answer. Uh, Joseph, we got a couple from Facebook today. Starts that out. is right. Uh, from Brian Rohrenbacher, we have... Would you rather have one Wookiee owe you a life debt or five Gungans owe you life debts? 
Jennifer, uh, you you have uh, recently been converted by uh, your daughter. Is a fan of the comedy of Jar Jar Binks. Does that extend to wanting five Gungans to owe you a life debt? It's a little iffy. I don't think I'd feel comfortable having the Gungans around, partially because I've talked so much smack on them. I wouldn't trust them. Uh, I'm going to go with one Wookiee because it is, they are the most dog-like creatures. I'm a huge dog lover. And I feel like uh, I need that brute strength. Right. You know, and I also want that loyalty. I want want that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Yeah, Ken? Look, I'm going to go Wookiee too, but I don't, there's some, there's some value to the Gungans. Jar Jar had a had a life play, and he I think he saved the day, intentional or not. He yeah. did it, yeah, and he was valuable. So I don't want to overlook the Gungans, but at the end of the day, you just look at Chewie, the dog thing. Yeah, being a dog person for me myself, um, and and it's not just the power, but it is the real, real deep, heartfelt loyalty that mm. Chewie has. Yeah. And I'm sure all Wookiees have. Maybe not Black Kersantan, but he's loyal <laughs> to his, his bounties. So I'll go that. Yeah, it, this is a clean sweep for the Wookiees. Uh, everything you said, but also the, the Wookiees seem to be very insightful about the people they're with. So mm. you'd also get good counsel from a Wookiee. That's true. If you bothered to learn their language. Uh, and then the we've seen some good Gungans. Tarples, yeah. Tarples is a bombad warrior, all that, but... When you look at the evidence of the films, we saw Chewbacca have a life debt with Han Solo for decades. We saw uh, Jar Jar make a life debt with Qui-Gon, and then Qui-Gon dies immediately. It's possible that a Gungan life debt is technically actually a curse. (laughs) They just have a different word for it. (laughs) Didn't think of that. You didn't think of that. You're cursed to die, Qui-Gon. Sorry. We say life debt. Is that not how you? Is that not how you say it? Love that. Anyway, moving on. Our next question on Facebook, Joshua Thorne says, Hey, also, I'm rewatching The Force Awakens, and it's implied that Laura Santeca has had a heavy history with the Force, yet we really haven't had much canon material for him. Which character and or time period would you like to see him interact with? For me, I want an Obi-Wan and Laura Santeca episode of The Clone Wars. Uh, that would be very cool. I, I, I get the sense that the yeah. Clone Wars animated series is mostly wrapping up what Felonia already had in mind, mm-hmm. although I would love to be surprised like this to see him pulling in stuff. Yeah. Uh, from from sequel era Star Wars. Uh, I, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Lor Santeca listed places as being involved in the Church of Force, that entire encampment being yeah, right. Church of the Force. What are they doing on Jakku? All sorts of juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll answer this one myself and then throw it out to you guys. I would love to see, this is probably not going to happen, but I would love to see an animated movie post-Return of the Jedi with Luke and Laura Santeca in the Church of the Force. I think that if we if Disney Plus ever gets to that point of making like one-off animated movies so Mark Hamill could do something like that, that would be an amazing way to flesh that out. I think it's the right time period because it's mm-hmm. when Luke is really researching the Force. Correct. It'd really give us elbow room if that's what the story is about mm-hmm. to explore what Church of the Force and Laura Santeca is. Yeah, that's a that's a hmm. big win for me. As is Joshua's idea of of a very young Lore Senteca with Obi Wan. Yeah, very cool. Right. Uh, that would work. I though I'll throw out my choice here of Lore Senteca uh, and Ahsoka during her search for Ooh, Ezra. Very oh, nice. That's, good. Does that's she, a very good one. Does he have clues? Does that where she gets involved now? Again, the time period is interesting. It might be around the time that. He's going around the galaxy with Luke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Throw Ahsoka in Throw there, too. Ahsoka I mean, that'd be amazing. Too. Luke meets them all. Yeah. But her just kind of like, not as like, I don't need guidance in the force, but you know your way around the galaxy. 
you've been an adventurer, kind of explorer guy. Yeah. I lost my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer? Like mm, you know, I feel like I missed something in school. Like, you know, when you've been mm. sick for a while, and I feel like, yeah. why Why do I not know more about Laura Santeca? Is he mentioned more in books, would you say? The current crop of books? Yes, but there's not even that a lot, which is part of what Josh was saying here. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll, I always joke, a lot of it comes from the Force Awakens Visual Dictionary. Yeah. That's where I think I need to go I mean, brush up. Yeah, it's honestly like one of the original ideas for Databank Brawl was there's weird stuff in the databank, which is probably because yeah. it was in the Visual Dictionary. But our second episode is Laura Santeca because part of it was Church of the Force. Right. It was listed in there like, what? Right. What is Church Give of me more. Right, yeah. right, exactly. So if I'm going to yeah. go, I mean, with what little knowledge I have, and I find the Church of the Voice very fascinating, well, why not have him meet up with Yoda? at some point. Ooh, oh, that's yeah. great too. Why not? Just, yeah. yeah. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> what if he runs into him on Dagobah? Like he's just yeah. passing through. Oh. And he sits down and Yoda's kind of like, hmm, brought you to me, the Force has. And they, yeah. they have a bowl of soup. Yeah. Just talk. There you go. <laughs> the soup of Lor Santeca. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great question, Joshua. Uh, now we'll go to Patreon. A couple questions we're taking for Patreon here. Uh, I'll pass the ball around here and start with uh, Evan Osborne Lomax. I believe was a Jedi himself <laughs> with that wonderful name. War versus lore question. Will the First Order as an organization be totally destroyed in Episode 9, or will they continue to exist to be a threat in uh, 10 or sometimes on the road? I personally would feel a little disappointed in the powerful new antagonists of the sequel trilogy uh, if they were defeated just a year after the events of The Last Jedi, where they were just beginning their conquest of the galaxy. Mm. Interesting thought. I, I like what he's saying here. I get it. Jen, do you have any thoughts on the First Order? Yeah, I feel like it's already kind of crumbling and I feel or weakening I should say and I feel like what's going to happen is it's going to splinter you know mm-hmm. Kylo Ren is going to go off and want to do his thing and Hux is going to want to do his thing so we might see it just a more weakened form of the first order but I agree that would be kind of disappointing to suddenly then have it be wiped out mm-hmm. uh after nine it would be nice to have it kind of linger like like you know the flames are not totally out on the fire mm. still a little yeah, bit yeah. a little bit of kindling still going give on. us some post nine books to yeah, really deal with exactly good thought there uh joseph do you want the first order smashed out of existence uh in nine yes uh, i do want it smashed out of existence but with uh, a couple caveats mm. um you know i think you go back to the prequels and there was a feeling in the movies that like what the clone wars were barely there right i think that uh the episode nine is going to jump if not a year, at more closer to two or three years. Mm-hmm. And I think the Star Wars Resistance show is already evidence that we're going to get a lot of storytelling in this sandbox. So I won't be mm. uh, upset to see the First Order defeated uh, because in terms of the movies, it'll feel quick, but not in the grand total of mm-hmm. Star Wars storytelling is uh, my prediction. And then also I think it's really important how they handle the uh, how the First Order ends because the sequel trilogy has been about, well, you can defeat a specific institution, but that ideology is not going to die. And in fact, Mm -hmm. it is going to come back and you always have to be ready for it. You can't just, you know, uh, uh, ignore it like the new Republic did. So I think the storytelling would be maybe that the first order dies, but that our characters are more aware that the ideology never will. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not invested in that specific institution coming back Yeah, because the perspective will return and Mm -hmm. it will need to be fought. And Star uh, Wars will continue. Star Wars will continue. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to look at it there. I, I, I think the first order is an interesting thing because they they wanted to bring back something familiar just as fans. Like, hey, Stormtroopers, TIE Fighters. And then I thought 
I think Disney's done, Lucasfilm, I should say, has done a great job of in, infusing what you just described, Joseph, as, hey, they're kind of the continuation. They're they're bad at it, but they're still the continuation and even more uh, just unfiltered. Yeah. We're doing this. So some of the stuff on Resistance, Tam going, no, I'm, hey, the first order's here. I feel safe. Like, yeah. I love what they're playing with. So... And then because eight starts right after, Evan's right. We don't get to spend a lot of time with them. But I also think that might be kind of the point, that that, that they are not supposed to be around. But we're going to get a lot more of them. But again, what you're saying is good. So I'm, I'm okay with them being destroyed because I still think this might come down to Kylo and Rey. Yes. And he's not necessarily the big baddie, but it's more about him. Yeah. Does that make any sense to yeah. you where it's like, he wasn't even, I don't even think he cares about the first order. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, and one other thought to throw out mm. there to see how much they play with this in episode nine, if they've really gone out of their way to show us that these are brainwashed children yeah. for the most part, held together by a core of officers who are kind of older school and truly, truly believe this. But will the episode nine victory be that Finn somehow gets through to people and breaks the programming and yeah. all of these humans live? Yeah. But the institution of the first order falls apart i mm. i love the idea of a star wars uprising yeah a star wars stormtrooper uprising yeah and and a star wars uprising. <laughs> love, i love that idea yeah because you're right they really it's really more than anything else it, with the the empire you get the sense of a lot of them did join up some just for a job but some some are true go, believers let's go smash the galaxy um these kids were not yeah most of them there's plucked yeah. up and brainwashed brainwashed yeah. interesting idea there uh, great thought evan final one here from thomas streeton uh, says, hey, guys, how, how much has been said about the various influences in all three of the Star Wars trilogies, from the Kurosawa films to French comics to classic monster or World War II movies? I was wondering whether you had seen these, perhaps because of the Star Wars connection, whether you liked learning about the influences or feel that it lessens your appreciation of Star Wars. Thanks for all the great work. A little film buff history question here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm a mixed bag. Where I'm very familiar with World War II stuff. Uh, very aware, but not familiar with the Kurosawa stuff. Never read French comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a specific French pol- comic that yeah. people pass around as it's got a couple similarities and mm. people accuse Lucas of, of just of, you know, like, putting a French comic book on screen, which I don't think is true. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I mean, I think to answer Thomas's bigger question, I think uh, it increases a pre- appreciation of Star Wars and kind of puts it in a historical context and also particularly lets you see where Lucas was coming from in mm-hmm. creating all of this, which goes you know, to our previous episode about tone of where do all these ideas come from? Yeah, right. and up to today when Ryan Johnson is having Lucasfilm sit down with a list of films. Uh, for myself, I've seen a lot of this stuff. I've seen a lot of classic monsters, a lot of uh, noir films and World War II films uh, from the 30s and 40s and 50s and lots of adventure serials. I've watched the Flash Gordon serial mm-hmm. that Lucas loved as a kid. Uh, and I've seen the Kurosawa movies as a as like a teen, mm-hmm. so I really got to rewatch those. Right. It's high up on my list of a fun evening at home. Right. Rewatching those films. Specifically, what? Hidden Fortress is the one most uh, people. Seven Samurai, Seven Hidden Samurai. Fortress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Specifically there. Uh, Jen? Yeah. Student of the Hill. Student I've, of the Film. I've, uh, I've seen Flash Gordon. I have seen, you know, a lot of the Bogey Bacall kind of uh, those types of movies The um, between uh, that I think of with Han and Leia influenced them. But I have not seen any of the Kurosawa films 
films. I've seen a couple of the World War II movies. This is one where I'm like, someday, someday I will go to my own film school and (laughs) study all of this. Because I think that studying films is just, it's just great. Studying film history and seeing what people borrow from the past to create something new. That's what being an artist is, is it's not about like rehashing, but it's being inspired and taking something and it's a kernel. And sometimes it may be totally subconscious and then it blossoms into something totally great. I think of Joseph Campbell and the modern myth and how much of an influence that had on George Lucas. So, uh, yeah, I love I love that. I think yeah. it's a great, uh, it, it increases my appreciation of Star Wars. Yeah, I finally watched American Graffiti just oh. last year. And that, I mean, that's obviously the same filmmaker, but that was really amazing to see in such a different film what things still felt like, I, burgeoning ideas towards Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. if people haven't seen American Graffiti, a part of it is that all the kids are listening to the same radio station. It's just this disembodied voice of Wolfman Jack, but it's a, just a presence everywhere connecting everything. And about halfway through the film, I was like, Wolfman Jack is the force <laughs> in American Graffiti. <laughs> but it's an incredibly different thing, yeah. but it's the same emotional, tonal idea. Yeah, it's great. And again, as far as like affecting or, or, or lessening my appreciation in any way, no, but I understand like... When you're when you're younger, like I'm talking ten or eleven, you start like so. I start watching it seven and eight, right? Hey, Star Wars, Star Wars, and then ten or eleven, twelve, you start pop culture starts seeping into your brain a little bit more, and you're like, oh, you know the the the, the crawl and Flash Gordon yeah. stuff. I remember going, oh, as George didn't do it all, but I as you grow up, I'm more on, on where you're coming from, Jen. I'm just like, yeah, it it, it it's a big, uh, big big buffet, <laughs> and and these creators. Things that come before, things that influence you, sometimes intentional or not. You know, I enjoy a, a Tarantino throwing an homage to one of his favorite films and his yeah. thing, and that, uh, you know, so I'm okay with it. I understand the idea of going, oh, this, this, uh, you know, wasn't 100% George's brain, but I don't. Yeah, I, I fight back against the idea of like, well, all George did was, if it was just as simple as all George did was, we, you know, we'd all have epic franchises everywhere. (laughs) Um, So that is that. But great thought, great question, Thomas, as well as Evan, Joshua, Brian, thank you so much for asking uh, your questions. If you have a question for us, you can reach out on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Website is forcecenterpod.podomatic.net. We're also on Instagram and tpublic.com slash user slash Force Centers where you can get your merch. Uh, I think it's still time to get some for Star Wars Celebration and we'll share pictures of the merch. Podcasts available on Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and on YouTube. The Mace Window in memoriam went up. Uh, and then we also have the animated Data Bank Brawl still on there. If you haven't checked it out, I think probably most of you have, but give it another listen, give it a like, uh, so we can help uh, spread uh, Brian Ward's wonderful work all through the internet there. And then Patreon recently, Joseph, we refreshed things and That's added some takes, tasty, right. tasty morsels. All sorts of tasty morsels. It's a buffet of uh, new goals and new rewards. Uh, we've got some uh, great uh, things coming in from that. Uh, a couple of you have sent in your light side uh, comments, wh- which we're going to share on the main show. And uh, it looks like we are close uh, to having our first vote for the next movie we're going to do a commentary for. So look out for that. If you'd like to help us, go to patreon.com slash center. Absolutely. We have our own things we got going on. Uh, I'll be up in Seattle. Go to MarkEllisLive.com, doing some comedy up there and appearing at Emerald Comic Con on a panel there. The pop culture needle drop with our friend Darina, nice. Ariana and Claudia Dolph and others there. So uh, follow me at Ken Napsack for more information on that. Jen. 
That's awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Jennifer Landa. I'm also just put up my first TikTok video where I shared, <laughs> shared my Aladdin uh, reaction. Uh, I'm Jenny Landa, I think, on TikTok, and I hope to do more. Jenny from the talk. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm too old to know what a TikTok is. Yeah. I'm not doing I'm skipping to TikTok. <laughs> TikTok joke, whatever. I can't even say it. Yeah, there's my grumpy. <laughs> That's my grumpy voice. Vaguely Southern for some reason. I don't know why, and I apologize. Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. Um, my website has all sorts of information on comedy albums, comedy shows. Got a bunch more coming up. That's all on josephscrimshaw.com. Absolutely, that is it. We hope you enjoyed our Star Wars Oscars. If you have an award to hand out, let us know. We'll see you next time here on Force Center. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.